point in everybody. So it's our, first, it's our eighth time that we're meeting together like that. And don't forget, the important thing is mute yourself if you haven't done it already, please. So if you can mute yourself. There'll be times later when we unmute ourselves, but uh, mute yourself, that'd be excellent. I've got a few quick notices for us to think about before we start with our worship. So Betty Moore's funeral is this Tuesday at 12.30. So if you can remember the family and those involved in that, that'll be really good, thank you. Thank you very much for the face masks that many of us have received. And as many of you all know, it's from the Sung Siuk Church in Korea. And uh, a lot of us have got them on Friday and some are getting them today, I believe. But I really want to say thank you, Jason, and to Ginny, and to everyone else who sort of put them together in bags and things. We're really appreciative, aren't we? So if everyone wants to know, they're so appreciative. That thank you. Really but thank, thank you, Jason. You. Thank you, Ginny. Thank you, Sujin, as well. And thank anyone you, Ginny. Else involved in that. Thank you. That's brilliant. Uh, two more things. Um, on the week on Thursday, that's the 21st of May, it's a church council meeting. And normally we'd meet together and have a chat about things and say what we're doing. Obviously, we can't meet physically, but we're going to have a Zoom meeting for the church council meeting. I'll make sure the phone number and the uh, links and everything, everyone can know those. If you can't make it, let me know directly rather than via other people. And if there's anything that you want to say because, and you can't make it, let me know directly because it's really important. It's much easier to know all the information before it starts. So I can collate that, please. The minutes will be out the day after and uh, I'll let people have them uh, like normal. At the end of uh, our time together this morning, we're going to meet in breakout rooms again, just like we did last week. That was quite a popular thing that happened. So if you want to stay and be in a breakout room, just stay around. But if you don't, that's fine. Just uh, say goodbye, leave us, and that'll be no problem at all. But if you want to stay, that'll be great. We're going to sing a song in a few minutes. Uh, and after that, four people have been primed to read some scriptures for me, and they know what they are. Uh, but before we sing the song and listen to those scriptures, I'm going to read Romans 8, 35 to 39. You'll know it very well, I'm sure. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God as it, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Way, that's a great scripture. So we're going to sing a song together now. We're going to sing, who, who you say I am? Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? Lost, but he brought me in. 
Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. This reading was taken from Psalm 95, verses 1 to 3. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. That's taken from Psalm 20, verses 6 and 7. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my great refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, Take that off. who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. That is Psalm 18. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, 
He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. That's Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2. Fantastic. Thank you very much, everyone. We're going to sing together now. We're going to sing three songs and then we'll uh, get more into the Bible and just a little bit more still. So we're going to sing Faithful One, first of all. I worship you. I worship you. 
from your love. Thank you so much, Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, someone Amen. who's never spoken at our church before, NCF, is the Reverend Jonathan Bug. And of course, he's the minister at Manicourt Baptist Church. And he's going to be bringing a, a talk to us today on the best fashion, what are we wearing? And he's going to be talking about something that we were thinking about a lot in October and November. And that's the armour of God. And uh, he recorded his two talks on Thursday. And so we're going to listen to them, of course, in two sections. And they're going to be on our website, of course, as well. But before we do that, Alan's going to bring the readings to us. So thank you, Alan. The armour of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now from 1 Samuel, verses 33 to 50. Saul replied, you are not able to go against, out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, Am I a dog that you come at, with, come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, Come against me with your sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and touching a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. 
So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. It's funny, isn't it? How even when something is recommended for our own benefit, our own protection, we can be so resistant to it. When I worked in the airport business, uh, the wearing of ear defenders on the airfield was mandatory, and yet still they weren't always worn. The instructions to wear the ear defenders always came with an explanation as to the damage that could be done to your hearing, and yet still it was often ignored. People seem to be the same with regard to hard hats, makes their heads sweaty, the safety boots, aggravates their psoriasis, uh, the safety gloves, it's difficult to do the job at hand with them on. Uh, safety glasses, very sweaty and they steam up and you can't see. We make all manner of excuses and the list goes on. Of course, at the moment, PPE, personal protective equipment, is very much in the public mind as the people that work in the healthcare uh, industry are crying out for the appropriate PPE that they just haven't got. They want to wear it. I wonder if the difference between the PPE that we will wear and the PPE we choose not to is to do with the immediacy of the consequences. Neglecting to wear ear defenders when I was younger on the airfield, I felt no immediate ill effects. Yet now there's a bit of ringing in the ear, it's attenuated and a bit of the range, and maybe a PPE could have prevented that. Medical staff fully appreciate the dangers of COVID-19 and see the consequences almost instantaneously. And so, of course, they want the PPE. They will wear it. I used to go caving and potholing. I've still got all the equipment. I've got the hard hat and the headlight and the, the wetsuit and the oversuit and the harness and the ropes, and even down to the wetsuit socks for wearing inside my wellies. You could, of course, go caving without any of that. You could uh, wander into the cave in jeans and t-shirt, a pair of trainers, as long as you didn't go beyond where the daylight reached, as long as you stayed on the level and stayed in the dry, well, you'd be okay. But as soon as you went beyond where the daylight reached, you'd need that headlight. As soon as you started to go down any significant drop, you would need the harness and the ropes. And as soon as you spent any time at all in that melted snow water that flows through the caves, you'd really appreciate that wetsuit. The effects of going into a cave like that without the appropriate equipment is fairly uh, immediately obvious and can be fatal. So the thing is, when we read Ephesians 6, we see God's recommended PPE list. We're instructed to wear it. Like all the best health and safety instructions, along with it comes the rationale for why we should put it on. You see, Paul, who wrote Ephesians, tells us quite clearly that our struggle isn't against things we can see, but it's against the spiritual realm. We can kind of expect those who reject God to ignore such a warning, but for those of us who follow and trust in Jesus, to ignore God's warning is potentially very damaging. Just as we can't see a virus, but we recognise what it can do, especially at this present time, so we cannot see the spiritual realm, 
but we should still recognize what these rulers, authorities, powers of the dark, of this dark world and spiritual forces of the evil realm can do to us. If not affecting us so badly now, then definitely in the eternal. I've seen all manner of um, face masks uh, around during this time, from the headscarf across the face to something uh, that looks very much like it's straight out of a nuclear, biological and chemical warfare catalogue. I've seen very competent masks worn only over the mouth and exposing the nose. Then I've seen online uh, people wearing a total plastic bag over their entire body. I'm sure each one of these people would uh, suggest to you why their way was the best way. They would all have a rationale for it. Equally so, there are those around us who will have uh, their preferred form of religious practice or maybe even their own enlightened self-assured uh, way of, of rejecting God and telling us how their way is the best form of spiritual and mental health. And then of course there's the many self-help books we can get that will show us how we can be better people. In our second reading, however, in, in 1 Samuel 17, we see Saul, an accomplished and self-assured warrior, forcing his armour upon a young David. I always imagine uh, David to be a rather scrawny lad at this point in time, although I'm sure he wasn't. I imagine him tripping over the armour and not really being able to see his hands out of the sleeves of it. But whether that's the case or whether it is simply that, as Scripture says, he was unused to it, what we do know is that David chooses to reject what other people are suggesting he wears. And he goes with what he knows, what he's used to, and trusts God. In Ephesians 6, Paul, who wrote the letter, tells us that because of the threat to us and where it comes from, we are to wear the armour of God. It's not a recommendation. The wearing of the armour of God is mandatory in this life because our struggle is against spiritual dark forces that we will be able to stand our ground through whatever comes against us suggest that god's armor will be a perfect fit no weight issues no long sleeves but the lesson that we get from david is that we should get used to wearing it making it our everyday wear so that when the day of evil comes we are ready So we're going to listen to Jonathan again in a few minutes. But before we do that, let's sing that song, I Want to Know You. I want 
Jonathan's going to bring the second part of his talk to us now. I'm sure as you read the passage of uh, Ephesians 6 for yourself, it will become very clear to you as well how uh, there is so much that can be said about each individual item of the armour of God. In our 21st century Western culture, uh, probably the mention of things like helmets and breastplates and shields and swords seems a bit out of date. But for Paul, the author of this letter, the figure of the Roman soldier was an everyday sight. Not only was everyone familiar with what a Roman soldier looked like, but they knew that the Roman soldier was the ultimate fighting force of the day. So it was an obvious choice 
for Paul to use this illustration. So rather than spend weeks uh, unpicking each and every item within the armour, I want us to just focus in this last section uh, on one piece. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, the Bible. Even in our modern armies, despite the move from uh, the Ministry of War to the Ministry of Defence, from using our soldiers in peacekeeping roles in various situations around the world, we still would never send out our soldiers with just uh, their protective armour on, their protective uniform, uh, in an armoured truck maybe with their helmet, but we would never send them out without a weapon. A soldier without a weapon is just a target. So likewise, we as followers of Jesus Christ are not merely to perform in a, in a defensive role. Although we are, of course, to ensure that we are living according to the truth and being ready to respond because of the gospel of Jesus, we are to be saved and made righteous through the sacrifice of Jesus, and we are to be always exercising our faith in Jesus. We are also given a sword, not a physical sword that we can do physical harm to ourselves or others with, but rather a spiritual weapon with which to deal with the evil that would otherwise adversely affect our lives. First, we are to deal with things in our own lives, dealing with those deep-rooted, uh, life-controlling habits and selfishness. We are to maybe address the negative aspects of ourselves before we gave our lives to Christ. It's a bit like pruning a tree, getting rid of the, the dead wood, the, the bad wood, uh, so that we can become more fruitful. As we grow deeper in our relationship, uh, become more like Jesus Christ in our everyday selves, then also we will understand the pain that comes with that growth. And as a consequence of that knowledge, we'll be able to take the word of God and apply it to others without causing them harm. The problem is that to use any weapon, we must become more than familiar with it. We must become as if it is part of us. Anyone who spends any time in the army uh, will spend most of their time not in active service, but in training. They will learn many things, but the bulk of it will be about their weapon. How to strip it down, how to rebuild it, how to use it well. The reading from 1 Samuel 17 shows us that David did that. He spent every waking hour with his weapon, his sling. He had practiced when it wasn't necessary and perfected it when the lion or the bear attacked. And so, as a consequence, he was now ready to confront an enemy far stronger on paper than he. So if we train our army in the use of weapons, and David is an example of how uh, the weapon became a way of life for him, then what are we to do? We too are to take the weapon that God has given us and to become more than familiar with it. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Simply put, we are to read it. 
not simply to rush through today's recommended reading so we can dash off to work or watch whatever's on telly next, but we are to really read it. We're to meditate on it. Just like when you take a bite of, of a really juicy steak, and I'm sorry if you're not into steak, but you take that bite and you roll it around your mouth. You enjoy the flavour sensations, the textures, the, the feel of it and the flavour of it are, are just something to be explored. Likewise, we're to consume the Word of God with the same kind of passion. We're to take it in and to allow it to dwell in our minds and our hearts. We're to ask ourselves the questions, what is this saying to me? What do I need to do differently? Where is Christ in this passage? And what is it asking me to, be, to do to become more like Christ? We need to engage with the word of God, to allow it sink into our very bones. We're to be greedy for it. Our day should feel empty and unfulfilled if we have started it without the word of God. We should grow to depend upon it, to live with it always by our side, like an extension to our own body, because it is only then that we have a weapon with which we are competent. Of course, the other thing we need to recognise is that this sword is not ours, but the Holy Spirit of God. It's the sword of the Spirit. If we don't develop our familiarity and understanding and competency with it, we deny the Holy Spirit of God his weapon with which to defend us and to advance his kingdom. Jesus himself took the reading of scripture seriously and used his familiarity with the books, uh, especially of Deuteronomy, to respond to the temptations of the devil in the desert, quoting chapters 6 and 8 of Deuteronomy to uh, respond to the devil's temptations. Three times he was tempted. Three times he quoted scripture. If scripture was good enough for Jesus to use, we really should be seeking to be more disciplined in our reading, our consumption of the word of God. We need to be more absorbent when we read it. We need to be more practiced in our application of it in our own lives. For it will only be when we have practiced what it says in our own lives that we can be sure not to do harm using it to others. So brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord. Put on the full armour of God and do not neglect the reading and meditation upon God's word, the sword of the Spirit. God bless you this week. Thank you, Lord, for your armour. Thank you, Lord, that it's another thing that we can wear, something important to wear, not just to, like Jonathan was saying, spend just a few minutes every day just knowing we should do it. But, Lord, we really want to know you more. So you, will you help us in our times to give you that priority in the times of our normal life and in this lockdown life? Lord, help us to make the time to spend with you, to become really familiar with your voice and your joy and your love and encouragement for us as well thank you lord for the armor that we can wear amen now we're going to sing a song and jim and i have had to clear a space in our room to sing this song it's one we sang a lot last autumn and we're both going to stand up to sing it 
because if you remember there's a song with actions and you're very welcome to join in with the actions and with the words as well.
I'm jumping about tonight. <laughs> right, now I'd like to start our prayer time um, in the way that um, Pete Gregg did on the devotionals for Spring Harvest, if any of you saw those, um, uh, just because I, I felt, I found this really helpful. So basically, get comfortable wherever you are. Become aware of God's presence. And let's pray. As I pray, I pause to be still, to breathe deeply. To recenter my scattered senses upon the presence of God. God, this morning we have read and heard about your armour. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. God, will you help us as your people to stand firm and to wear the armour that you have given us, ready for whatever is coming our way. We want to put on spiritual armour today through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray against COVID-19 by the word of God and through the strength of the Holy Spirit. We resist all the effects of COVID-19 on us, our families, churches, cities and nations. God, I pray that you will help us as we pray that in a practical way to wear the armour that you've given us. To not think that the immediacy of the problem is far away and so to ignore it, but instead to pick up your word and become so familiar with it as our weapon that we are ready for action for whatever you are calling us to do in these times. Lord, we pray for families. We pray for our families and we pray for families across our country. Lord, we pray for relationships that are being stretched and tested at these times when people are not in their usual situations. God, we pray for the worries that people are shouldering and, and holding on to, that, Lord, you will show us how to live an example of not worrying and not being fearful, but of trusting in you. Lord, we pray for families that you will bring hope and joy instead of despair and that we would be a living representation of that to the people who don't yet know you, whether we see them at work or whether we speak to them on the phone or whether we see them in the supermarket or wherever the limited areas are at the moment that we are actually seeing people. God, help us to shine that light for you, Lord Jesus. We pray for our churches. We pray for this church. This church is your body, Lord God. 
we belong to you. I pray that wherever we are this week, you will help us to shine that light of Jesus into every situation and that people will look at us and know that we belong to you by the way that we love one another and the way that we love them. Lord, we pray for the towns and cities of this nation. We pray for Nuneaton and we ask that you will save people in Nuneaton. Lord, I pray there will be an outbreak of searching and wanting to know who you are. Holy Spirit, will you be touching people's hearts during this time of uncertainty when people don't know what's going to happen? Lord, will you show them that the only thing they need to know is who you are, Lord, and that you are their saviour? God, we pray for wisdom for those in authority in our locality. We pray for the health workers and for the police and for all those who are doing an amazing job in our town while we are stuck at home or while we are limited in what we can do. We do pray for those who are still working really, really hard. And for all of us who are working really, really hard at what we're doing too, God. We're none of us escaping from from any any kind of work for you. So Lord, we pray that you will give wisdom and you will give um, the ability to serve you in these circumstances. And we pray, God, for our nation. We pray for the government. We pray again for wisdom. And we pray especially in the light of the uh, announcement by the Prime Minister this evening. God, will you be with us as a nation? Will you help us to be obedient to what they call us to do? Will you help us to follow the line and follow the rules and do the right thing? God, we ask for righteousness and holiness um, and the ability as a nation to do what's right instead of rebelling and doing what we want to do. Lord, I pray for cooperation and I pray for communication and I pray that the enemy would not have victory in these areas. Lord, I pray that communication and cooperation would be something that is clear and easy to follow and easy to understand. And there would be no misunderstandings and no problems that would come from misunderstandings. Father, we ask for your protection for us as a nation during this horrible time when so many people are still dying. God, we love you and we want to serve you and honour you and bless you in everything that we do. I'm just going to finish with this written prayer. Heavenly Father, increase our faith. Work in our hearts. Produce in us, O God, your character. You have shown us your mercy and grace countless times. We are thankful and humbly ask for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit on the peoples of the world. May countless millions be saved and discipled as your church boldly proclaims the gospel in this critical hour. Amen. Amen. Remember all these prayers are going to be on our website a little bit later today anyway, so you can look at them again and just ponder over them during the week. We're going to sing one more song together in Christ alone, my hope. 
is found. Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. His cornerstone is solid ground. Burn through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still. When striving sees my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh,
you again, Lord, that nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing can separate us from your love. Thank you, Lord, that you do call us to be intimate with you, to follow you with all our hearts. And that's what we want to do. Thank you for the time we've spent this morning together. Thank you for the things we've learned and the way we've worshipped together as well. Thank you, Lord, that we are your children, your body here on earth. So help us, Lord, to get to know you more of these next few days, to worship, to adore, and just spend time in your presence. Because, Lord, we ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. So if you want to stop, just like last week, and stop and be in some breakout rooms with the rest of us, you'd be very welcome to stay. If you want to leave us right now, that'll be okay as well. I'm just going to unmute you all. There we go. So if you want to say goodbye and leave, that'll be fine. In about a minute or so, we're just going to break up into small groups and just have a chat, maybe pray for each other for a few minutes, and then uh, we'll say goodbye after that. So if you want to leave, that'd be great, but we're just going to go into some small groups just in a moment or two. Bye, everybody. We're going now. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye